Well, if you would, please turn with me in your copies of God's Word to 2 Kings chapter 23. And if you're using the uh, provided Bibles this morning, you can find that on page 522. 2 Kings chapter 23. And we'll be primarily considering the first four verses But we're going to begin our reading a little bit before in chapter 22. And we'll begin in verse 16. And as many of you may already know, the, the story of the Israelites is somewhat cyclical. There are these cycles of faithfulness and then apostasy. The Israelites would be faithful to the law of God, but uh, over time they would be hardened to it and then ultimately fall into uh, times of apostasy, taking upon themselves the idols of the surrounding pagans. And then after a period of time, the Lord would raise up a faithful man who would call Israel unto repentance and then the cycle would continue. Well, our text comes to us today towards the end of the nation of Judah, just a short time before they would be taken into exile. And the cycle had just hit a very low point uh, during the 55-year reign of King Manasseh. This man was truly wicked. He was an idolater, a sorcerer a blasphemer, a truly evil man. He built altars unto false gods in the courts of the temple of Jehovah. He placed idols within the house of God. He rebuilt all of the old altars and high places that that righteous king Hezekiah had torn down previously. And then following the death of King Manasseh, his son uh, Amon took the throne and we're told that he walked in the way that his father walked in. He was just as evil. But then at eight years old, Josiah took the throne following the death of Amon. And that is where our text comes to us. Ten years into Josiah's reign, And at this point, he began efforts to restore the temple back to its former glory. And during that restoration, the high priest Hilkiah found what had been lost from that land for so long. The book of the Lord's law. And this is where our reading today will pick up. And as I said, we'll primarily be focusing on chapter 23 and verses 1 to 4. But we will begin our reading in 22 in verse 16. This is the word of the living and true God, so please lend it your ear. Thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will bring evil upon this place and upon the inhabitants thereof, even all the words of the book which the king of Judah hath read, because they have forsaken me and have burned incense unto other gods, that they might provoke me to anger with all the works of their hands. Therefore my wrath shall be kindled against this place, and shall not be quenched. But to the king of Judah, which sent you to inquire of the Lord, thus shall you say to him, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, as touching the words which thou hast heard, because thine heart was tender, and thou hast, thou hast humbled thyself before the Lord when thou heardest what I spake against this place and against the inhabitants thereof, that they should become a desolation and a curse, and hast rent thy clothes and wept before me. I also have heard thee, saith the Lord. Behold, therefore, I will gather thee unto thy fathers, and thou shalt be gathered into the grave in peace. And thine eyes shall not see all the evil which I will bring upon this place. And they brought the king word again. And the king sent and they gathered unto him all the elders of Judah and of Jerusalem. 
And the king went up into the house of the Lord, and all the men of Judah and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem with him, and the priests and the prophets and all the people, both small and great. And he read in their ears all the words of the book of the covenant which was found in the house of the Lord. And the king stood by a pillar and made a covenant before the Lord to walk after the Lord and to keep his commandments and his testimonies and his statutes with all their heart and all their soul to perform the words of this covenant which were written in this book. And all the people stood to the covenant. And the king commanded Hilkiah, the high priest and the priests of the second order and the keepers of the door to bring forth out of the temple of the Lord all the vessels that were made for Baal and for the grove and for all the hosts of heaven. And he burned them without Jerusalem in the fields of Kidron and carried the ashes of them unto Bethel. Well, thus far, the reading of God's Word, let us ask His blessing upon it. Heavenly Father, we do thank You for this Word which You have preserved for us, that You have kept pure through all ages, that even through the attempts of Satan to deceive the people of God, even when the law of the Lord was hidden, For so long, Lord, You preserved it and You have brought it to us this day as a testimony of Your faithfulness. So Lord, we ask that You would add a blessing to the reading of this Word. That these words would go forth and they would never return void. And as we have just sat under the reading of this Word, Lord, we ask that our ears would be open so that we could rightly and conscionably hear this Word as it is, which is the voice of God. And now, Lord, as we approach the proclamation and preaching of this Word, we ask Your blessing upon that. We ask Your Spirit to prick our hearts, to stir up our affections, to receive this word rightly and to put it to action. Lord, we pray for the preacher. We pray that you would work in spite of his infirmities. That the preacher would diminish so that Christ would increase. Let Christ be put on display in this place. Lord, let your glory be shown among us. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be found acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. Well, we live in a world today that seems to revel in sin and debauchery. And I'm sure that that statement is no surprise to any of you who are here today. The world seems to have fully embraced a debased lifestyle. Drunkenness is now no longer looked down upon, but embraced as simply having fun and enjoying life. Television and movies have become bastions for all sorts of vile actions and language and images all in the name of entertainment. Sexual immorality has become the norm. As a recent poll indicates, the majority, vast majority of people are engaging in premarital sex or extramarital affairs. Homosexuality and transgenderism have taken over the Western world and become commonplace within society. And the blood of babes have painted our streets crimson through the slaughter of millions in abortion mills. And we ought to praise God for the decision 
that came out this past week, but we should also petition the Lord to show mercy upon us as a people because the blood of the innocent still runs through our streets. Recent polls have shown that only 65% of Americans claim their religion to be that of Christianity, but only 30 to 35% would be considered evangelical Christians in the broad sense. And world leaders openly mock and defy the precepts for ruling nations that are laid out by God in Scripture's It can truly be said that we live in a world and a society where sin is running rampant and unchecked. And this ought to cause us great great concern. And when we consider that our society is not much better off than that which King Josiah had inherited from his father, that should cause us to fear. We hear talk of the need for revival, of the desire for repentance, for the need for the return to our Christian roots. And all of these things are right and true. But I will tell you now, friends, if you want to see these things come about, then you must realize that it begins with you. All of us here today have sin in our hearts. We all have an inward sin nature which leads us to fall into acts of grievous sin. And we all have the need for continued repentance in our lives as well as the responsibility to call those around us unto repentance as well. Just as in the days of King Josiah, true repentance across the land must begin with the people of God. And so, dear brothers and sisters, the exhortation to you here this morning is renew your covenant with Jehovah and stand to it. Renew your covenant with Jehovah and stand to it. And we will consider this exhortation by looking at three headings. First, the need for covenant renewal. Next, the act of covenant renewal. And then finally, the effect of covenant renewal. So let us first consider the need for covenant renewal. And as I mentioned earlier, the kingdom of Judah was in an incredibly bad place when Josiah took the throne. The sin that had defiled the land and permeated throughout all the people was grievous and could not remain unpunished. If God would destroy the pagan lands of Sodom and Gomorrah with fire and brimstone for their sins, and if He would turn Lot's wife into a pillar of salt for simply disobeying the command of the Lord and by looking back at those burning cities, how much more deserving of absolute destruction were the people of God who had turned their back on their Redeemer and turned unto idols, defiling even the very house of God with their blasphemous worship. Friends, Jehovah will not be mocked. He will punish the wicked according to their iniquities. And we see in chapter 22 in verses 16 and 17 that this judgment, this punishment for their iniquities was at hand. Thus said the Lord, Behold, I will bring evil upon this place and upon the inhabitants thereof. Even all the words of the book which the king of Judah hath read, because they have forsaken me and have burned incense unto other gods that they might provoke me to anger with all the works of their hands. Therefore my wrath shall be kindled against this place and shall not be quenched. We know that in these days the inspired 
word of God was altogether lost and the temple of Jehovah had suffered to fall into decay. When King Josiah ordered the temple to be repaired, the book of God was found. And upon reading the book of the law, it became clear and apparent that this nation, the nation of Judah, was in danger of receiving the judgments that were laid out in Scripture. Think of our reading that we just had in Jeremiah where the prophet was speaking of the desolations that was going to come upon the land because of their sinfulness. That is what Josiah read in the book of the law. And to compound the writings and the warnings of the Lord in the book, God sent for Huldah the prophetess to pronounce God's imminent judgment. When Josiah saw that the judgment it denounced, uh, when God, when Josiah saw the judgment that was denounced against his nation, he sought to avert those judgments by turning to the Lord his God. When faced with the holy, righteous judgment of a holy and righteous God, the only response is to turn to Him. Because he saw the great plagues that God had threatened against his nation, he knew no more speedy way to avoid them than to turn to God by repentance, which cannot come but from faith, and faith by hearing the Word of God. Friends, the time of judgment is upon us. The sins that pervade our land are the very same sins that had taken hold in the kingdom of Judah. The perversity and idolatry of our nation has done nothing but incur the wrath of God. And I can tell you now, we are feeling that wrath in a small degree. But if we continue, then I can assure you that it will be felt in a much greater degree. And we as a church are not immune to this. In fact, we as the people of God are the first ones who will face the judgment of the Lord for the sins that remain among us. 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 17 tells us, for the time is come that judgment must begin at the house of God. But why? Why does judgment begin at the house of God? Because we, like the Israelites, are the ones who are supposed to know God's law. We are the ones that ought to be seeking His face We are the ones that ought to be worshiping Him in spirit and in truth. But that's not what we see in the church. There's corruption. There's error. In some instances, there's outright wickedness. And our small denomination has felt this greatly in recent times. I stumbled across a staggering statistic a few days ago. It occurred to me that in the last four years, the RPCNA has lost five pastors due to disciplinary cases. In four years, we have lost five pastors. This ought to cause us to shudder. We ought to tremble at the sifting that Christ Jesus is doing among His church right now. So many professing believers don't love the law of the Lord. So many within the church don't seek after God's face. Numerous churches, instead of worshiping God in spirit and in truth, offer strange fire unto the Lord, just as Nadab and Abihu did. It's no wonder that judgment begins in the house of God because it is the house of God where some of the worst perversions of the faith occur. 
But judgment doesn't end there. It begins in the house of God, but then it extends to the people. The judgment that begins at the house of the Lord is but a precursor of what will take place to the nation which dishonors the Lord. We've seen this time and time again throughout history. The destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. The destruction of Israel. The destruction of Judah. The destruction of Babylon. The destruction of Assyria. The destruction of Jerusalem. The destruction of the Roman Empire. What's next? The destruction of America? Brothers and sisters, the need for covenant renewal lies in the fact that unless we see repentance both within individuals and on a national scale, Jehovah will judge us with a righteous judgment and bring about the destruction of the wickedness that has infected our land. All peoples of the earth, all nations of the earth, all kings, of the earth will one day fall down before Christ Jesus the King and head over all peoples and nations either in humble repentance and service to Him as their Master or they will fall down before Him in being numbered among the slain as He with His right hand strikes through kings in the day of His wrath as Psalm 110 tells us. The need for covenant renewal is plain to see in our society around us, but do not neglect the need for covenant renewal within yourselves. Examine yourselves. Pray to the Lord to reveal to you the hidden sins of your heart. See the vile sinfulness which still remains within you. And if you are here among us and you have never come before Christ Jesus in humble repentance, then I plead with you, run to Him as your Savior. Because the righteous judgment of God will be poured out upon you if you do not turn to Him in repentance. We're speaking on the need for covenant renewal, but there may be some of you here who need to make the initial covenant for the first time. Do not let the sun go down on your sins. Do not leave this place failing to see your need for a Savior. Repent and believe the Gospel. And there are some of you here who have not made professions of faith but are simply baptized members of the congregation children. I ask you, improve upon your baptism. That is what covenant renewal is for you. You have the need for covenant renewal as well. Make your faith real in your lives. Make your baptism real in your lives. Grasp hold to it. Friends, we truly have a need for covenant renewal. And once we see the need for covenant renewal, we must heed the call to action. We cannot see the need and then leave, uh, sit back and leave ourselves to our lazy state. Seeing the need for covenant renewal necessitates action. And so let us now turn our attention to consider the act of covenant renewal. And we see this in chapter 23 and verses 1 to 3. And the king sent and they gathered unto him all the elders of Judah and of Jerusalem. And the king went up to the house of the Lord and all the men of Judah and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem with him. And the priests and the prophets and all the people, both small and great. And he read in their ears all the words of the book of the covenant, which was found in the house of the Lord. 
And the king stood by a pillar and made a covenant before the Lord to walk after the Lord, to keep his commandments and his testimonies and his statutes with all their heart and all their soul to perform the words of this covenant which were written in this book. And the people stood to the covenant. Well, I want us first to see that the act of covenant renewal lies within the responsibility of the civil magistrate. Now, I know this isn't a popular position to hold today, especially in America where the notion of religious liberty is so enshrined within our national identity. But we must not look to the United States Constitution for guidance in how to live, but instead to the Word of God. Romans 13 and verses 1 to 4 makes clear to us the duty of the civil magistrate. And it's one that is vastly different than what, we, what the modern notion of the magistrate is. Paul writes, Let every soul be subject to the higher powers, for there is no power but of God, the powers that are ordained of God. Whosoever therefore resisteth the power resisteth the ordinance of God. And they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. Wilt thou then not be afraid of the power? Do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same. For he is a min- the minister of God to thee for good. But if thou do that which is evil, be afraid, for he beareth not the sword in vain, for he is the minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil. The civil magistrate is to be a minister of God and being a terror to evildoers and a rewarder to those who do good. So, where do we find what is good and what is evil? Well, that can only be found in the moral law of God, which is summarized in the Ten Commandments. If you want to know what is good, look to the moral law of God, because God Himself is all good and requires good of His people. Of all people. Matthew Henry writes, It is really the interest of princes to promote the knowledge of the Scriptures in their dominions. If the people be as steadfastly resolved to obey by law as he is to govern by law, the kingdom will be happy. All people are concerned to know the Scripture and all in authority to spread the knowledge of it. King Josiah understood this and that's why not only did he renew his covenant with Jehovah himself but he also renewed the covenant as a representative of the nation as a whole this is the pattern which we ought to be calling upon our own civil magistrate to emulate Christian, you have the duty and responsibility to be the prophetic voice to the magistrate to show them the wickedness of their sin and their great need for a Savior. You have the duty and the responsibility to call the magistrate unto repentance and to call them to kiss the Son as Psalm 2 states. To govern according to the precepts of the Lord. We cannot expect to continue as a country so long as this magistrate fails to recognize Jehovah as God and Christ Jesus as the King over this nation. The religious liberty that is enshrined in the Constitution is antithetical to the foundation of the moral law of God. You cannot have the First Amendment and the First Commandment at the same time. If you want to know why we are living under the just judgment of the holy God as a people, this is why. 
You must be a people that is praying for and calling for the magistrate to bend the knee to King Jesus, to renew the covenant, to walk after the Lord and to keep His commandments and His testimonies and His statutes with all their heart and with all their soul to perform the words of this covenant that were written in this book. But friends, the responsibility of covenant renewal does not simply lie within the civil magistrate. It lies within us as a people as well. You and I and all peoples of this earth bear the responsibility of covenant renewal before the Lord. King Josiah, when he, when he made the public declaration of covenant renewal, he didn't do it in secret behind closed doors but instead, he did it in the plain sight of all the people. <clears throat> Josiah stood before the people, both small and great, merchants and priests, children and parents. He stood before all the people and he read to them the book of the law so that it was so that there was no excuse among the people for not knowing what was required of them. Every single person who heard the words of the law knew the requirements of the covenant, both as individuals and corporately as a nation. And then following the reading of the law, we see that covenant renewal ceremony where the obligations of the covenant were made known clearly and concisely. And the king stood by a pillar and made a covenant before the Lord to walk after the Lord and to keep His commandments and His testimonies and His statutes with all their heart and all their soul to perform the words of this covenant that were written in this book. And the people stood to the covenant. All the people stood to the covenant. That means that they all took it upon themselves to be their own covenant. They didn't just hear it as a national covenant, they received it as a personal covenant as well. Friends, we must do the same. We must stand to the, our covenant that we have with Jehovah and make it our own. This is the responsibility of all of us, elders and members alike. Charles Simeon, Anglican minister, writes, Ministers should labor by all possible means to bring their people to God. And every parent or master of a family should study to advance the eternal interest of those who by the providence of God are committed to His care. That is the responsibility of all of us. But you may be sitting there thinking to yourself that this covenant is so strict, is so limiting. And if you're thinking that, then you're correct. But it is rightly so. It must be strict. Because the law of God that you are commanded to obey is strict. The covenant which Josiah proposed was incredibly strict. They were to keep God's commandments and, and testimonies and statutes. Yes, they were, they were to keep them with all their heart and with all their soul. But they did not object to those terms. Instead, we're told that they stood to the covenant. And thus it should be with us also. The most self-denying commandment of the Lord should not appear grievous, but holy and just and good. And we should humbly submit to it without any limitations or reservations. And we shouldn't be 
concerned or discouraged to do this by the degeneracy of the times that we live in. Because the state of religion cannot be any lower than it was in the day of Josiah. And even if it were, even if it were worse today than it was during the reign of King Josiah, that would only be a reason for our more earnest efforts in the calls of God. Friends, you must see the need for covenant renewal arising from the sinful wickedness within our land and within your own hearts. And that must drive you to the only one who can provide the remedy. It is good to oblige ourselves to duty with all seriousness. And this especially is seasonable after notorious backslidings into sin and decays in that which is good. If you find yourself in one of those seasons, do not stay there. Renew your covenant with the Lord. Call upon your Savior to empower you to do this. Cry out to the Lord in humble repentance. Plead with the Spirit to remove every iniquity and transgression and commit yourself to stand upon the law of the Lord for this, friends, this is the act of covenant renewal. So after considering the need for covenant renewal and the act of covenant renewal, let's now turn our focus to consider, lastly, the effect of covenant renewal. Covenant renewal is an act of public repentance and therefore it necessitates bearing out the fruit of that repentance. Covenant renewal is not simply a recognition of sin and a verbal commitment to obey the law of the Lord, but it's an act that carries with it certain effects. And we see one of those effects here in our text in verse 4. And the king commanded Hilkiah the high priest and the priests of the second order and the keepers of the door to bring forth out of the temple of the Lord all the vessels that were made for Baal and for the grove and for all the hosts of heaven. And he burned them without Jerusalem in the fields of Kidron and carried the ashes of them unto Bethel. The, this act of covenant renewal would have meant nothing if it were simply a mere ceremony. The act of covenant renewal would have meant nothing if Josiah would have allowed the altars of false gods to remain. The act of covenant renewal would have meant nothing if the idols that had defiled the temple of Jehovah had been left standing. King Josiah, being the righteous man that he was, would not stand for Jehovah to continue to be mocked by the blasphemies that had become common practice in Judah. And so the effect of covenant renewal seen in this text is that the monuments of idolatry, the high places that were dedicated to pagan gods, the altars upon which blasphemous sacrifices were made, were utterly and completely destroyed. The righteous magistrate must promote righteousness within his domain and seek out every effort to eradicate the land of wickedness. And that is precisely what Josiah does here. And it's interesting that not only did he command that the idolatrous artifacts be destroyed, but he then ordered that the ashes be brought to Bethel. And if you are familiar with the story of Bethel, that is where one of the primary high places to false gods was Erected. What a slap in the face to the practitioners of idolatry. He did this partly to show 
the abhorrency that he had towards these idolatrous artifacts, that he would not give the ashes of them a place within the courts of Jerusalem, within the bounds of his kingdom. But he also did it partly to pollute and disgrace that place in Bethel, which had become the chief seat and throne of idolatry. Not only must idols be torn down, but they must be mocked as well. May the Lord show us mercy by raising up a magistrate which will tear down the idols of this nation in acts of public repentance and covenant renewal. This is their duty to be a terror to evildoers. And what is more evil than for a magistrate to allow blasphemous pagan worship to continue within their land? God requires the eradication and destruction of idolatry from all lands of the earth. It is the duty of the magistrate to purify and cleanse the land from all forms of idolatry. Our confession of faith states that it is the magistrate's duty to take order that the unity and peace be preserved in the church, that the truth of God be kept pure and entire, that all blasphemies and heresies be suppressed, all corruptions and abuses in worship and discipline prevented or reformed, and all the ordinance of God duly settled, administered, and observed. This is why we must continue our efforts to see the Constitution of the United States amended to recognize King Jesus as sovereign over this nation and to see the blasphemous First Amendment overturned. Because it is that amendment which allows this nation to see uh, idolatries and perversions and false religions be freely exercised under the guise of religious liberty. The fact that they took our own language of Christian liberty, formed it into religious liberty, and then used it to defend blasphemies and heresies is sickening. The fact that the satanic temple is allowed to even operate within this nation, much less the fact that they are permitted to erect their statues and monuments across this land ought to sicken us. The fact that mosques are being built in nearly every metropolitan area throughout this country ought to sadden us. The fact that synagogues can be found nearly everywhere ought to disgust us. And the fact that our civil magistrate promotes and protects these false religions, these synagogues of Satan, these bastions of blasphemy ought to anger us with a righteous anger. If Jehovah were to see fit to bring about this nation to repentance, to bring about a covenant renewal within our land, then the effect that we would see as a nation should be the absolute destruction of the idolatry which has plagued our land. Friends, without this, our covenant renewal would mean nothing. And dear brothers and sisters, the effect of covenant renewal must be present in your lives as well. It's not enough to simply profess with your lips that you will keep the commandments and statutes of the Lord, but you must carry it out in your lives as well. The idolatries which plague our land are not simply idolatries of the unbelieving world, but are also the idolatries of our own hearts. What's an idol in your life which you have been hesitant to tear down? Has money or wealth or success become an idol in your life? Do you elevate it to a place of honor which it does not deserve? Then tear it down. 
Repent of your greed and idolatry and turn to Jehovah who is far greater than anything riches could ever provide. You cannot serve God and mammon at the same time. Has fame or notoriety or status become an idol in your life? Do you care more about what others think about you than what the Lord of all creation thinks about you? Then tear it down. Repent of your self-centeredness and vanity and turn to Christ Jesus who humbled Himself and took on the form of a servant. Proverbs 16 and verses 18 and 19 says, Pride goeth before destruction and an haughty spirit before fall. Better it is to be of, a, of an humble spirit with the lowly than to divide the spoil with the proud. Or has your notion of having the ideal family become an idol in your life? Does, does the desire for perfection prevent you from loving your wife as Christ loved the church? Or from submitting to your husband out of love and respect for his God-appointed authority? Does your desire to have your children perfectly obedient cause you to provoke them to wrath? Tear it down. Repent of your sin and turn to your heavenly Father who has adopted you into His family and commands you to love your family just as He loves you. Your covenant renewal must not be mere formalism. It must not be just for show. If your covenant renewal does not lead to the destruction of idolatry in your life in an effort to truly live out the obligations of the covenant, then it was all in vain. Tearing down idolatry is the effect of covenant renewal. Brothers and sisters, the time for covenant renewal is now. We as a nation are on the cusp of absolute destruction by a holy and just God that will not hold back in His day of wrath. Call upon the civil magistrate to repent of their sins and turn to Christ Jesus. Petition them to recognize the crown rights of King Jesus over this nation. Carry forth the example that was set by those covenanter pastors who stood before President Lincoln and called for him in the United States to bend the knee to Christ. We must be willing to do the same. We must bear testimony against the wickedness of this world, against the magistrates that are upholding and promoting evils within our land, against the heathen among us who is seeking the destruction of Christ's church. But do not forget that you are in need of covenant renewal as well. Pray to the Lord to reveal to you those hidden sins which have continued for so long in your life and repent of them. Tear down the idols and the high places in your life which have taken the place which only the triune God of the universe deserves. Brothers and sisters, renew your covenant with Jehovah and stand to it. Please rise for prayer. Holy God, we thank You for the Word that You have given us. We thank You that Your law has not been kept hidden from us, but that the obligations of the covenant which we have made with You and You have made with us have been put on clear display. And Lord, 
I ask that you would bring about covenant renewal. Both all, uh, encompassing all of our lives in, in our lives as individuals. Let us renew our covenant before you to tear down the idols of our hearts and to obey your word with all our heart, with all our soul. Father, we ask that you would bring about covenant renewal in the lives of these people as a congregation. As one small body of the greater universal Catholic Church that Christ has bought with His blood. Let these people stand to the covenant. And Lord, we plead to You, Your mercy be upon us. Stay Your hand of wrath from our nation. so that in Your mercy You may see fit to grant us repentance. Remove the wicked leaders from their positions. Tear down the idolatrous laws that promote and protect blasphemies. Bring about a a revival upon this land. Bring these people in this land repentance so that they see the need for a righteous magistrate which recognizes King Jesus and through the power of the Spirit governs according to Your precepts. Lord, we know that we can do nothing without You. Our obedience to the covenantal obligations that we have made in receiving the covenant of grace that You have poured out upon us, can never be fulfilled in our own strength. We are but earthen vessels. So Lord, we ask that Your Spirit would empower and embolden us to be about Your work. So that the kingdom of God would advance in this place. And that we truly would see the world one for Christ's crown and covenant. And we ask these things in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, Zion's only King and Head. Amen. Amen.